According to a nationwide study, women lost more than 12 million jobs during the pandemic's recession, triggering what many have dubbed a she-session because of disproportionate employment losses. As of early 2021, only 55% of those jobs had recovered. By comparison, men lost 4.4 million jobs during the same time period, despite comprising a greater percentage of the U.S. workforce. Welcome back to Yo's podcast, Back to Work. I'm your host, Jason Rocker, and on this podcast, we talk about COVID-19's impact on the job market, particularly for women. Today, I'm fortunate to welcome Kathleen King, who leads Yo's enterprise solutions lines of business, including managed services, national accounts, and RPO. Kathleen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Good to have you. More than 2.3 million women dropped out of the labor force completely compared to 1.8 million men between February 2020 and February 2021. Kathleen, how would you say COVID-19 has affected women's workforce progress? Well, the impact's been dramatic, right? We continue to see studies and data published that demonstrate how disproportionate the impact's been on women and women of color in particular. Um, And as the pandemic goes on, researchers are digging more and more into that data to determine why the impact was so dramatic. You know, in terms of any of the data that you've seen or that you've heard, even just anecdotally in the marketplace, um, how are women being affected emotionally, professionally? How are they really feeling about it? Well, at Yo and DZ Connects, we work with a lot of large corporations across a lot of industries. Um, So we have a lot of perspective on that. Employers are really paying attention to this question. And in many cases, very actively working to try to stop the trend. Um, And they're doing that by listening to workers. We hear a lot of conversation about employers looking at creative ways to keep women engaged in their workplace and having some hard conversations and really listening to what women in the workplace are saying they need, whether it's flexibility or other accommodations. I'm optimistic that our understanding of the trends will allow a more proactive approach and allow employers to be more proactive about uh, preventing this type of trend to of continuing and, and recurring in the future. Great. And, you know, you turn the conversation to employers there a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about employers and what they can and should be doing now to stop further damage from you know, the recession uh, related to the pandemic, and then really to start making progress again. You know, are are there specific programs or tactics or strategies that they can or should be implementing? Absolutely. So as I said a minute ago, really listening. So that may be a focus group. I mean, asking uh, the women in in your uh, company, what do they need? What are the particular challenges? Are they thinking of leaving the workforce and why? Um, the answers that we've seen really come down to some, you know, pretty, pretty basic things, flexibility, um, particularly as, you know, in the early stages of the pandemic, there was a pivot to working remotely and, and work-life balance readjusted. Now, as everybody's shifting to this return to office uh, it's question and what and how that looks like, it's going to be a particularly important for employers to um, look for those win-win situations and really 
listen to what women need to be able to balance uh, that and return to office effectively. What have you heard about that? You know, do you think there are going to be many businesses that are obviously this impacts women and impacts everyone in the workforce going back to sort of a, a full in the office environment or, or do you perceive that hybrid is going to be the new norm? All answers across industries, it, it somewhat depends on um, what part of the workforce you're in and what, and what industries you're in. But certainly uh, there seems to be uh, data coming that, that suggests that in many cases, hybrid will be a new norm. And even, even in conversations where companies are more on the aggressive end of return to office, it's still a hybrid approach. There's some um, balancing of working remotely or working in the office, but not really much yet being expressed about a total return to pre-pandemic uh, situation. So I think hybrid will certainly emerge out of that. And, and that requires a whole new set of balancing and what you know women, men, any employees have to figure out work-life balance looks like in a hybrid situation now, right? That's a, it's a whole nother set of change. Right. I think, you know, there may be the perception that um, hybrid is beneficial, but you also have to now balance what your office space looks like at home. If you're a working mom, how do you separate yourself from your children and make sure you have that focus uh, or dad for that matter? You know, so do you think the the hybrid model will impact women any differently or, or impact their willingness or ability to seek different opportunities in the workforce? I think it's definitely an opening and an opportunity to, that provides more flexibility. And so that's a good thing. But certainly for people who are caregivers, be that childcare or elder care, a hybrid approach presents some challenges that they'll have to figure out how to navigate. Um, after school programs, what does that look like with a hybrid type? So there's a lot of challenges in there where flexibility is really going to be the key that caregivers need to navigate where they are when and where their loved ones are when or where their family obligations are then or their personal obligations. So it's not an answer that you can just plug into the blank and say, okay, we're, we're returned to office. It's going to continue to require a lot of listening and looking for win-wins and being flexible. And in this talent market right now and how short so many industries are for workers, it's going to be even more important for employers to approach the question with a flexible mindset. What you just said kind of plays into our next question. You know, obviously there's a short assortment of talent in some sectors. And, and, you know, we talked about how the layoff affected some areas, but there are obviously still some very uh, competitive areas for talent. And what can companies do and what are some strategies they can use to retain women uh, that are in current positions that are extremely valuable and, and really help them grow in their careers? As we're having conversations with customers, one of the most um, intriguing concepts that you hear some companies notioning is, you know, not resorting to the traditional ways that you think about talent retention, which is just a retention bonus or compensation oriented. You know, a lot of the situations that, um, and as we said, the researchers are still kind of digging into the data, but it, you know, a lot of the, the reasons and things you heard about why the pandemic so disproportionately impacted women weren't about compensation and weren't about promotions. They were about uh, work-life balance concerns and, uh, and other things. So retaining talent in this environment means you can't fall back on those traditional 
ideas of how you retain people. You, you, you really do have to look at things like job sharing or other things that maybe you haven't considered. And, and I think first and foremost, it's important to just communicate an intentionality around meeting women where you where they need to be met. And, and if, if an employer is conveying that they understand those concerns and are, are looking for women's solutions, there's a lot better chance of some of those programs working um, than, than feeling like that's a hill. I, I'm never going to get there with my employer, and so I'm going to choose to uh, withdraw. So it seems like this is really an opportunity uh, for both professional women and businesses to open a dialogue and to really rethink everything from where they work, how they work, how to make them happy, and you know, basically everything's on the table. Absolutely. I mean, I would in- encourage women that are, um, you, you know, th- thinking about, you know, leaving the workforce or facing some of these challenges, use your voice, uh, seek to find compromises with your employer because companies are faced with headlines every day about the transformation of traditional workplaces, to your point, and all the flexibility that's going to be required of them to attract workers as we come out of the pandemic. Uh, so all parties are looking for a win-win here. Um, so use your voice and seek to find a solution that you can balance to remain engaged um, in the workforce, uh, but also balance your life. On the flip side, we know that you know layoffs and job loss during the pandemic disproportionately affected minority women, older women, and really those with lower levels of education. What can companies do to help affect change for those groups uh, now and moving forward? You know, talk about the issues, talk about these uh, data sets, talk about these headlines. Don't let this opportunity pass. Um, I think as an employer, you have to find ways to encourage those conversations in the workplace to help advance the goals that we collectively have to undo some of the impact the pandemic has caused. But, you know, often these things don't get talked about or they, they, they get talked about in a boardroom, but not broadly with the company. So, you know, I just would say where we've seen success, it's really in cultures that encourage an open dialogue about the issues that everybody faces, everybody reads the news, everybody goes home and, and sees these things, whether it's uh, you know, social, economic, pandemic, whatever, whatever these um, issues are. And then we go to the workplace and we don't bring any of that to the workplace. So really just say, um, try to find, whether it's a focus groups or employee resource groups or, or roundtables, find ways to encourage those conversations in your workplace to, to help everybody kind of come to the table and advance, um, advance the goals. So it seems like dialogue is the key, whether it's, you know, forging a path forward for uh, new career opportunities for women or retention or really coming at it from a standpoint of how can we help move women of color, age differences, uh, education differences, and, and really help rise everybody up uh, coming out of this situation to get to a better place. Absolutely. Have you seen anything? We, you know, we know that um, obviously there's a lot more attention being placed on equality and equity uh, in, the, in the workforce. There certainly is dialogue in the media, and and it's it's um, become a much more prevalent topic. But have you seen any programs or strategies that have been successful 
from companies that you've uh, worked with or, or heard about uh, that have really put equality and equity into action on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things coming out of the pandemic and some of these conversations that's the most exciting is the, the focus and the intentionality around some of these topics. There's a bit of a hope that, okay, these things are really being, you know, put on the table to be addressed. Now, one example I'll give you in our, in our own company at Yodisi Connects, we have a strong focus on making sure we walk the talk of our values. So diversity and equity, diversity is one of our four core values, um, equity and equality are important. And so we start every meeting, for example, with a, with a diversity topic, simply to keep front and center of our employees' minds that we value diversity, equality, equity, those things are important in our culture. So every time there's a gathering of employees, even if it's for one hour meeting, we, we do a short diversity topic. It could be a headline in the news. It could be drawing people's attention to a, you know, something that's going on or just very simple, but it, it, it's just a cultural reinforcement that this is important to us and we want to live this value. Um, that's a good practical way to advance the agenda in the workplace because we're, we're constantly reinforcing that. There are many other ways we see across customers of, of you know, larger programs and, and incentives and, and all kinds of things you can do. Um, but, but that's just one small example of a very, a very practical sort of daily reminder. Right, you build it into the daily practice and then that dialogue becomes action and direction and, and ultimately change. Uh, while not overnight, becomes something that uh, becomes more and more evident. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, obviously, you know, we, we talk about companies and, and what they can do. But as we look to the future, what steps should women be thinking about and taking to continue to strengthen their positions in the workforce and build stronger career opportunities for not only themselves, but the next generation of women? Absolutely. Um... So connect, I think, you know, this idea of using your voice, um, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or social media or within your own um, company, within your own employer, um, connect and let the collective voice um, resonate. You know, if there's anything this data is showing is that, you know, this is not, these are not isolated situations, right? This is really a, um, a pretty, you know, societal level uh, issue that we're looking at. And so, you know, I think women as an individual should seek to use their voice and contribute their voice sort of the, to the collective and whether that's encouraging other women speaking up uh, for others, uh, being part of, uh, you know, like the LinkedIn post so that it gets more traction. Right, like anything like that to really contribute to the, uh, you know, inertia of figuring this out in corporate America, right? In some of our industries, I, I think that it's a, it can be very simple things, or it could be broad things, but 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 using your voice and, and contributing sort of to the, the collective momentum of how we find balance and really work on, you know, gender quality in the workplace, uh, kind of for once and for all. Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, 
those little steps and those little actions build momentum and ultimately hopefully get us to a tipping point. But I think that, so, that sometimes it, it feels like, you know, are those little actions making a difference? But uh, what you're saying is they do. And, and you're recommending to women to make sure that even if it feels little, it could have a big impact down the road. Absolutely. I, I absolutely think they do because the, you know, the, the collective pressure and, and like we were saying earlier in, you know, different times and places, things carry more weight. And right now, when you look at combined timing of the, the pandemic's impact on women in the workplace, the visibility of that, the war on talent and the the struggle to find talent and so many there's a lot of factors that are sort of coalescing um to make right now a really good um pivot point to 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 dig into this and to figure this out and to find those flexible win-win situations and to make these work and then those things become our norm right those things become our norm as we go forward and that's what creates the new norm for women that come behind us. And so um, I think now is a pivotal time to do that and set a, set a new norm. And Kathleen, if you could leave our listeners with sort of one thought on piece of advice or inspiration um, for, for women moving forward, what, what would that be? What I was just saying is, is the thing I'm most excited about in terms of really believing, you know, coming out of some of the um, you, you know, the, the Me Too with the impact of, of Me Too on our society, the, the pandemic impact. I think, I really do think now is a time when we're making a step change on women in the workplace. And we will, um, we will figure this out, the pandemic's impact. We will, you know, stabilize out of that. I think women will, you know, re-enter to the, the workplace. Those numbers will improve because the workplace won't thrive without that, right? So it will have to happen, it will happen. And employers will have to, uh, to our earlier conversation, be flexible and find ways to make it work and make it win-win so that women do that because of the need for women in the workplace. And so we will, we will create that new norm out of this, right? Whether it's a much higher percentage of hybrid positions that exist in the future, whether it's some industries now, you know, are permanently remote. Others might not be, but you know, the, the places will change here and there, and that sort of collective um, patchwork will will advance over time. It's hard now because we're in we're in the middle of it, but but I really think we're it's an opportunity and it's a juncture where we will be able to um, use this to make that step change. Well said, yeah, it seems like there's an exciting opportunity, even though they, there's challenge that comes along with it. Kathleen, uh, I really want to thank you for sharing your thoughts and insights with us today and for giving us a little peek into what the future might hold for women in the workplace. Uh, I also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to Yo's Back to Work podcast. And to hear future episodes of the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen in. For Yo's Back to Work, I'm Jason Rocker. Thanks for listening.